Hello, everyone. Uh, we've already had a, a lot of interesting reflections and thoughts this morning, thanks to Jean-Luc Alavena and the panel on weathering the COVID-19 storm. Now we will discuss during this session a very exciting and interesting topic, which is uh, digital private equity at work. Uh, at the end of this panel, you ha you'll have a great idea of the different trends in private equity in terms of digitalization. You'll understand the value proposition of four different companies and how it applies concretely through four different use cases. Uh, just a few words of introduction. Uh, digital private equity is a wide subject with a lot of constraints and uh, which implies transformation projects and a deep and thorough reflection on what to do, how to do when and, and with whom. And despite the, the market expansion with increased investments and uh, portfolios multiplying, there has been uh, slow changes uh, in, to the traditional private equity model. Uh, many funds, however, are now, uh, now advancing their digital capabilities, uh, making it a, a new business uh, standard uh, and imperative. And this morning, we're talking uh, uh, about agility and our capacity to reinvent ourselves uh, thanks to this uh, COVID crisis. And in fact, it's a great opportunity for all of us, uh, and long-term effect can, uh, can be very positive <coughs> lessons uh, from this uh, current COVID crisis. Um, uh, one last word, J just what we see is private equity funds are not, uh, that are not ad adapting uh, or falling behind and losing out uh, to competitors that have the technological uh, capabilities uh, to move quicker uh, with more efficiency and to capture the, the market with uh, data-led market insights, for instance. So digital is really acting as a, a value creation uh, enabler. So I'm particularly thrilled today to moderate this panel uh, with four persons active uh, in the tech sector. Dr. Stephen Spols, CEO of Moonfair, Alexander Tachenko, the founder of VNX Exchange, Daniel Coer, who is a co-founder and CCO of Tokeny, and Jed Grant, who is uh, on site, uh, who is the founder and CEO of KYC3. Uh, we will cover with them four different areas, uh, data and AI in the field of uh, KYC and AML, driving liquidity uh, for private markets and the benefits of tokenized private equity, digital assets uh, investment platforms, and new tools for secondary trading in private equity. So hello to everyone uh, and to the four of you. Um, to start, can I please ask you to present yourself and present your, your company to our audience? Sure, Jed? sure. Can I'm Jed Grant, CEO of KYC3. We are a boutique provider of digitalization uh, services through SaaS technology. We help um, private equity, alternative asset, and virtual asset managers to grow their assets under management, grow their number of investors without having to grow their risk and compliance team through automation of both uh, the process and digitalization of all the components, so providing an end-to-end -end solution there. We're based in Luxembourg, founded in 2014. Uh, but the technology that I've been working with, some of the AI we've been working on since 2010 when we prototyped. Thank you very much. Uh, Alexander? Yes, my name is Alexander Kachenka. I'm founder of VNX Exchange. We're a digital asset investment platform. Uh, we started to work on the project in 2018. We launched the platform in November of 2019. There are 12 people. Uh, the head office is in Luxembourg. And um, uh, we help uh, VC funds syndicate the deals and issue digital assets for co-investments. 
Excellent. Stephens? Yeah. Uh, firstly, let me say a big thank you to the APA team and um, the broader invitation. It's great to be here at that panel. So my name is Stefan Powers. I'm the founder and CEO of Moonfair. Uh, I spent my life before that in private equity and look back four years ago when uh, I left KKR, I had one theme in mind, which is the, the making possible the democratization of private equity investing. Or in other words, I wanted to make this asset class accessible to everyone, not only to institutions, but also to private investors. And what we actually do is simple. Moonfair is operating a digital investment platform that connects the best GPs, the best private equity funds, but also US venture infrastructure and other asset classes out there with private individuals. So people who need money to invest with people who want to invest money. And what we do is very simple. We're taking investing into private equity into the digital age. And we do this for the wealthy individuals so they can participate in the unprecedented value creation we are seeing in private markets today. And we allow private equity funds to go retail. And all this is enabled by technology. I started the firm in 2016. And since then we have grown it to be the industry leader in this space. To date, we are operating offices in Hong Kong, in Berlin, and of course, in Luxembourg. We have brought more than 20 private equity funds on our platform. More than 8,000 people have signed up to the platform and invested a total of 500 million. Thank you. Daniel? Hello, everyone. So my name is Daniel Kohler. I'm the co-founder of, uh, of Tokeny. So Tokeny is um, a company that is three years old now. We're based in, in Luxembourg, uh, 32 people. We are funded by, by Euronex. Uh, we have more than 40 customers in production and brought uh, close to 27 billion of assets uh, on the public blockchain. So our mission is to modernize private market by leveraging distributed ledger technology, such as the, the public Ethereum. Uh, we deliver tools and solutions to enable the digital representation of financial instruments, so-called tokens, in a complement way on the blockchain and to give full control to um, issuers and investors of their assets. We are technology uh, agnostic. Uh, we focus solely on uh, the technology and work with a network of partners, lawyers, custodians, to deliver end-to-end -end services to our customers. We are um, aiming at creating the industry standards uh, that will power the future of decentralized finance. And together with our Euronex, our shareholder, will shortly deliver the market infrastructure, infrastructure that will ultimately bring liquidity to private markets. Thank you very much to all of you. So as I said uh, in my introduction, like uh, in uh, any other industry, a transformation uh, starts with a cultural change and getting people to understand what, what digital really means and how to leverage technology to improve uh, clients, clients and, and LPs experience. So to provide our audience today with more pragmatic cases, could you please present a real business case uh, in, in, in um, linked with private equity and, and VC and where your, your company is actively used and uh, concrete resulting benefits of it. Sure, um, a little over a year ago, we started working with a, a private equity fund, um, originally from Paris with offices in Luxembourg and several other countries. Um, they at the time had uh, three full-time people doing, doing compliance and risk and, and the whole process of onboarding 
and screening and management of all of their compliance obligations. Um, and they were, were running into trouble with, with um, comments from auditors and regulators and whatnot. We came in, uh, defined the solution for them, implemented our solution in about uh, 30 days it took to get it up and running, got them onboarded, and since then they've, they've managed to reduce that three full-time people to one and a half by reallocating people to other tasks, uh, such as actual risk in terms of investment risk management instead of compliance, and managed to solve all the problems they had with uh, with the um, reporting and, and timeliness of their reports to the to the regulator and their auditors, um, so all in all, pretty pretty typical case for us. Pretty successful. They're happy. We listen closely to what what our clients need, and we've iteratively um, implemented new features over over the last year and a half, two three years, based on on those requirements. So we're very very much into having the dialogue and and keeping that the benefits there so that our clients can grow their business without having to grow their overheads. On another note, I've been also doing some, some research personally into the state of digitalization in, in private equity and um, what I've been doing is interviewing senior people and if anyone wants to participate, feel free to reach out to me to talk about digitalization and looking where the market is today, where people are today and where they're going and the current state of the market from, from the initial responses that I have is very much traditional. So there's still a lot of Excel being used. There are a lot of people uh, still using PDFs and file shares to manage all their documents and getting that all in a platform where you can get push button reporting and, and auditing is where a lot of people want to go. We've also seen that that, that is the intent. A lot a lot of people are expressing an intent to embark on a digitalization project if they haven't already started one. Um, and we've also seen the use of AI and machine learning, which is something we've been doing quite a long time, to automate basic uh, decisions. So a lot of the initial assessment of inbound documents and things can be automated, freeing up people to do more valuable tasks. So, so this is really what we've seen. Excellent. And, and what kind of technology do you select in your tools? Uh, we use a lot of big data, we use a lot of machine learning, we are dealing with a lot of data because we run a very large compute cluster in, a, in an ISO 27001 data center where we process all of the risk-related information, so that's PEP information, sanction information, adverse media, um, and then we, we filter that down using machine learning to identify who, what, when, and where in the various contexts, and then that's fed into the client's uh, system, it's all SaaS-based, it's a hybrid model, and they then are able to, to see any potential risks that, that are there for their investors, but also for their investments, and, and some clients even um, monitor their own staff and their own teams using this. Also, all the documents are digitized, everything is collected, so it's really big data. You end up with quite a bit of data when you have all of your documents digitized in a platform. And in the, the, the first example you, you provided to us, uh, could you please uh, give us an idea of the workload needed uh, on uh, the, the private equity firm side and how long it took to transform uh, this process? Sure, the, uh, the workload is pretty straightforward. A lot of it is what's already being done today. And the implementation process, there is some initial workload to get everything loaded into the system and get all the risk scoring and screening done. That's normally done within 30 days. Um, it doesn't take too much work. And once that's done, actually, time is freed up from the risk and compliance team. And in this particular case that I mentioned um, that's, that's now been running almost uh, a year and, and some months, uh, they've managed to free up a full-time person off of, that, off of that task. So it actually, after that first initial project to implement, they, you end up saving a lot of time. Excellent.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, da da Daniel, you, you want to continue? You had some slides, I guess, if I remember correctly. Yes, so if you can pull those, uh, those slides. Uh, yes, here we go. Uh, next slide, please. So what are the problems that we, we're addressing? I think that as Jed mentioned that there is a, something big that is happening in the industry, which is the digitalization, right? It goes far beyond the technology that we use, which is blockchain. And this enables really to create an ecosystem where we can uh, manage those assets in the digital environment. Um, so that's the first problem that we want to address. The second one is, is liquidity, obviously. When you commit to private equity uh, or, or funds, you commit to a long period of time. That is for most of the uh, traditional investors um, uh, quite a, a represent a high level of risk. So we have started to implement, and I have two use cases here in Luxembourg. Next slide, please. Um, one with a, a premium um, uh, estate fund, that is the Luxembourg fund. Um, you probably know Pierre Thomas is very well known in Luxembourg. You've seen picture of, of beautiful houses in Miami that uh, he's been bringing to investors through club deals. He's teamed up with a, with a, a, a successful entrepreneur called Vala to create this fund in Luxembourg, and they are bringing you know, those investment opportunities uh, through a fund. So here, indeed, the objective was to create a, a way for those investors, uh, when committing to 10 years, to potentially exit the fund uh, before, if they uh, have a need for, and what happened, obviously, with the, with the COVID-19 in the last month, demonstrated that sometimes, you know, you need to have access to cash. Um, so next slide. Um, we have another example with property token, which is another Luxembourg fund that we brought in, uh, in, uh, uh, to investors. And there the use case was to uh, democratize investments by fractionalizing real estate. You know, in Luxembourg, you know, buying an apartment or, or houses is quite expensive nowadays, nowadays and that is putting uh, this uh, investment opportunity outside of reach of, of many people. So here, the, the use case was fractionalization through the use of the blockchain. Next slide. And how have we been doing that? Obviously, the biggest concern or barrier of entry that we've seen so far has been both regulatory and technology. It is very difficult for um, a compliance officer um, uh, in a regulatory environment that is not yet defined to give his, his go ahead uh, and, and to move assets on this technology. And similarly, you know, for a CTO, it's very difficult today to commit to a technology while you know, we're talking about public blockchain, private blockchain, um, so we, we came uh, with a couple of, of uh, law firms in Luxembourg with this notion of proof of ownership, where actually the main register remained the main proof of ownership for, for the securities, but what you create is a token that represents those shares. And this digital representation enables you indeed to start managing those assets in a, in a digital way. But also with your token, you can uh, use that token as an evidence of ownership to create in a secondary trading platform that we are building together with Euronex, uh, the visibility that you want to sell your, your assets. It's very much like an eBay for private instruments. Obviously, eBay is never giving you the guarantee that it's going to buy your share, but it's creating visibility for the fact that you want to, to, uh, to sell your shares. And in private market, the illiquidity cost is the most important thing that you need to address first. So if you solely have one buyer, well, your illiquidity cost is maximum. If you have two buyers, if you have 100 buyers, if you have 1,000 buyers, this is how you can recrease, reduce your illiquidity cost. And that's what we're trying to do. The next slide. And to complete with the, uh, this uh, intervention with, with the benefits of our blockchain, obviously the blockchain enables to give and the token full control to investors. Uh, we can enforce compliance on chain, uh, which obviously you know, is very important because um, the blockchain is not changing the rules and regulation applying to financial instruments. It is obviously more cost effective because everything is digitalized. 
it can create liquidity for investors as I just explained, and it enables uh, investors to have direct ownership of their assets. Doesn't mean that they will do that in the future, very likely they will still use custodian for doing that because institutional investors cannot uh, save custody those assets directly, they will use for third party provider, but this will be uh, ultimately a benefit for investors as well. Thank you very much. If I may just add a question, we've seen the emergence of Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies those last years and the wave of ICOs. And this wave has mainly seen the issuance of utility tokens. Here we're talking about security tokens, if I'm, if I'm not if I understood correctly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think let, let, let's forget about Bitcoins, ICOs and STOs. I think that um, it was mainly driven by hype, uh, but it demonstrated what the, what, what, uh, the blockchain as a technology can bring. Um, and, and obviously, uh, the use of Bitcoin has demonstrated that you can use this infrastructure to transfer value, which is essential when you start dealing with financial assets. And STOs um, and ICOs have demonstrated that you can program compliance. Ultimately, you know, NICO was uh, just uh, through those smart contract enforcing DVP, deliver versus payment. You wouldn't get the token without making the payment, which is essential in finance, right? So those two use cases is demonstrating what the blockchain is infrastructure can do. And now we're using this infrastructure to rebuild, you know, the 3.0 future of finance on the share infrastructure. And, and we know that, you know, when those infrastructure were built, they were built, you know, in vertical silo to be as secure as possible. But no, those infrastructure needs to communicate and we need to, uh, um, to leverage you know, this communication on an infrastructure that is cost effective and available 24 by seven, which is this uh, distributed ledger technology. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, Stephens, can we continue with, with you and, and a concrete case with Moonfair? Of course. So let me talk about our two client groups. We have on the one hand side, the private investors, and then we have the GPs, the private equity funds. And really the connection of the two is what makes us special. So two use cases, starting with the private investor. I said it already, an unprecedented, and you all know this, value creation is happening in private markets. But wealthy individuals and also small family offices have largely been left out. Why is it? Many, many funds require a minimum investment from 10 million and more. And if you want to build you know, a portfolio of five, six, seven, maybe 10 funds, we are talking about 100 million in asset allocation. So it's really a privilege for very large institutions to invest into that asset class efficiently. And this is sad and it's very surprising as we all know, the best private equity funds have constantly outperformed public market equivalents. So this is what we are solving now for private individuals. They can access a highly curated range of private equity funds and put yourself into their shoes. Think about yourself maybe, or think about a small office, family office or wealthy individual. You want to, you have a 200K or 300K to invest and you want to invest it in, in private equity. You know that professional investors allocate on average 25% of their assets to the asset class. On average, by the way, private individuals have already 3% allocated. And why is it? Because you have no access. Probably you don't know it better because there's a lack of in, um, education. But if you know, it's very, very difficult for you to pick the right fund and to meet the minimum investment. And this is what we solve. We have the access. We do diligence more than 100 funds in a given year. Only 10 private equity funds finally make it to the platform. So we only offer you a curated offering of the best funds out there. 
because we run the due diligence for you. You can invest with as little in converted commas as 100K euros. It depends on the jurisdiction. And then you can build your own tailored portfolio of the KKRs, the car lights, the EQTs, Apollos we saw, CDNR. So it's directly investing into those funds, whatever is, so to say, suitable for you all. Like a mini managed account. And you know that managed accounts is typically something for people that can spend 100 million or above. So it's not a fund of fund solution, not at all. It's not one product fits it all. It is your own dedicated solution. And you can do so by you know, investing into private equity buyout. You can do infrastructure. You can do secondaries. You best of US technology, Silicon Valley. You can really build your alternative portfolio across asset classes. But it's not only this, because the technology really makes it possible what we do. It's also the workflow. When you would go to the platform, whenever you have time over the weekend and you register, and you would know after what we've seen in the morning, I want to invest into Apollo, seems to be a great fund. And you would go to the platform and we would have, and we will have the Apollo fund on the platform. It would take you 15 minutes, one five, from registration to KYC, AML, so anti-money laundering, uh, accreditation, uh, due diligence material um, uh, representation, and all the information to invest, 15 minutes, and you are an investor in a given fund. If you do the same process in the old world, it takes you weeks, cool down period, and so on and so forth. So this is what we are solving for the private individual. But you know, that would not be enough because you need two parties to play. And the other party we need is the private equity fund. And the private equity fund, there's a very famous quote in 2018 from uh, Blackstone. It was one of my hurrah days really when I saw it because they very prominently said, we want to have 50% of our assets under management coming from retail. They call retail what we are doing in the year 2023. Talking about Blackstone having north of 500 billion in assets under management, we are talking about 250 billion for one fund alone. Look, and, and they need solutions like ours because think about them. They are used to go to the large pension funds, to the sovereign wealth funds and getting a check of a billion or so. They have highly educated fundraiser, but they are not, you know, equipped and, and uh, have the infrastructure to go retail to 100, 200k checks. And you can't solve this without technology. But for them, it's highly, highly interesting because also one of my learnings was, you know, the largest pool of untapped capital globally sits not in the hand of institutions. It's saturating the market, actually. It sits in the hands of private individuals. And when you talk market size, what should be in private equity in terms of professional allocation from private individuals, but it's not, equals the entire size of the institutional market in Europe. We are talking thousands of billions. So it's a huge, huge market. And the industry you know, is, of, of course, interested to grow and is seeing this as an alternative source for their um, distribution. So this is what we are solving for the GPs. This is why more than 20, as I said, and really, if you would go there, the who is who of the industry is on our platform. They want to go, they want to access the retail for several reasons. One is the fundraising uh, and additional means, but also, you know, to get closer to this community. So there are several effect, uh, uh, interesting things for them. And this is what we have solved. Thank you very much. Just 
two quick questions, if I may. Um, how can can you just give a few words on the due diligence you perform on on uh, private equity funds and uh, uh, give us an idea of the typology of investors uh, from which industry and what type of investors uh, use your platform? No, of course. Look, uh, in terms of the due diligence and the fund selection, we are really using like best practices in the industry, as you would find it with Cambridge Associates and Hamilton Lane and Harvard West. So we take this methodology and really. Uh, break it down in, 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 in modules and, and, and run it. What makes our due diligence a bit more special, I would say, uh, uh, is that the people in my investment team, and we have six, seven people from the industry, they are coming from within the private equity industry. So take myself, I've been with KKR for 12 years, being an investor, you know, we have people from RParks, from DC Partners, they all have been investors. And they know, you know, the call it nasty, unpleasant questions that we heard in our due diligences from our LPs. So we bring a little bit this, you know, inside view about the industry. You know, we know, of course, many people personally, we know their motivation, we know, you know, whether they are on their way out or still highly motivated. So this is what, what makes uh, our due diligence a bit of a special cocktail, I would say. Uh, and you see, you know, it's very rigorous because we start with 100 and we end with 10 to 12 in a given year uh, in terms of uh, uh, funds that make it to the platform. To your second question, and that was my really, really, you know, big concern when I started the company. I knew private equity, because I've been invested into the KKR funds, investing is a great asset class. Yeah, uh, But, you know, I knew the low-cost discussion and I knew, um, you know, it's, it's difficult for some people. It's not liquid. We heard about it. You know, the new technologies will help. But is it really ready to become mainstream? And when we started, of course, it were you know, more like the Goldman and JP Morgan and private equity people investing into an asset class they knew. Then the lawyers, you know, the Hengler Müllers and Clifford Chance and Arne Mednach, because they know. And I thought it might stop there. But in the meantime, it really spread it, you know, from doctors here in, in Munich, from a hospital signing up 500,000 euros for a Carlyle fund, just digitally. We have never touched the guy, we have never seen him. Of course, you know, we do our KYC, etc. cetera, uh, down to entrepreneurs, C-level people, smaller family offices, you know, even smaller uh, pension funds, endowments. It's across the board. And the biggest surprise for me, in the meantime, private equity, people understand it. It's mainstream. And it, uh, people understand also that they you know, have to have it in their portfolio. Thank you very much. Alexander? Yes. Yes, hello. Um, uh, VNX started uh, from uh, a simple idea. I was running a VC, early stage VC fund in Luxembourg called 2BLU. And um, I faced the issue that uh, quite often uh, in the early stages of the investment, it's really necessary to syndicate the deals. And what I also saw that the um, the process of syndication was very manual, um, uh, took a lot of time and was not really smooth. And what I also noticed is that typically the deals that got syndicated and got funded had um, a lead investor. Um, you know, once the 60% uh, of the fund are more or less, sorry. Um, so uh, once roughly 60% of the funds are committed, the round closes quite quickly and then the company is funded. 
What's more, in 2017, 2018, one of our portfolio companies uh, actually developed a blockchain solution for the uh, transfers of the uh, tickets. Uh, so they have uh, uh, created a platform where it's possible to issue tickets on the blockchain and then transfer from one to another. So that gave me an idea to try to do actually the same for the early stage investments. And this is how VNX came to be. So what we do is we uh, actually automate, automate and make it possible to standardize the process of um, deal syndication. We're really focused on the early stage funds and uh, investors who are investing into this asset class. The first deal that we did is for um, one of the best South Korean uh, uh, fintech startups. It's a company called Streamy, which is uh, one of the largest crypto exchanges in South Korea and also the, uh, the controlling shareholder of the National Crypto Depository. Uh, with the recent rise of the cryptocurrencies, they're doing extremely well. So people who did invest are probably doing quite nicely too, or would do, hopefully. But this is what we target. So we target a specific investment. We target a lead investor who is syndicating the deal. And we're targeting the uh, investors who are happy to participate in those early stage investments. Thank you very much. Uh, just two, two small questions. What blockchain VNX uses? We're using ERC-20 standard, so Ethereum. Uh, we can be uh, chain agnostic per se. However, uh, we chose for now to stick to the most commonly used uh, standard. And can you convert crypto to crypto or crypto to fiat on the platform? Uh, we are using partners. So we are ourselves not uh, converting any currencies, but it is possible to deposit money, which then would be converted to the fiat. Thank you very much to all of you. So we are a bit running out of time. Uh, we have already some questions, so I will uh, ask some of these. Uh, first question to you, Daniel, is token can be applied for funds uh, LPs as a register? Oh, actually, that's exactly what we do. When we create this um, uh, mirroring of the fund, uh, we represent every single uh, share units um, uh, on the blockchain, and we enable through our reporting tool to extract um, the share registry from the blockchain, so yes. And could tokeny be applied for investment compliance? That's exactly what it does, actually. You know, smart contracts that are not smart, no contract, are just line of code where we program the compliance. Either it is, you know, to uh, uh, define the eligibility criteria or the transfer restrictions. Uh, everything indeed sits in the smart contract and uh, on the validator, which is our tool that enables whenever a transfer is, uh, is called up to enforce those uh, restrictions and, and compliance rules. Okay, thank you. Last part of the of this panel um, uh, that that uh, we wanted to discuss is that the private equity is on the brink of a, a broad uh, uh, digitization, and particularly in response uh, to the current uh, COVID crisis. And also keep in mind all the uh, the, the broader uh, fundamental uh, shift uh, in uh, capital and returns. What are, in your opinion, the main trends? Uh, and and for each of these, explain to us what are the main obstacles and challenges. We're seeing um, an extension of digitalization outside the organization. So more and more companies in private equity are looking at uh, portals, implementing portals for their LPs. Um, some of the challenges are, are, of course, getting this done in a very user-friendly way, given the fact that we've all been forced to accommodate on Zoom and, and become digital nomads, so to speak. It's, it's been eased this year. 
Um, but that's also something that's driving this demand. So, so there is definitely extending the workflow out of the, uh, the organization and, and into the investor directly so the investor can provide information directly into the organization is something that, that I'm seeing happen quite a bit more. And we've been, been doing that for a few clients. Thank you. Alexander, do you have an opinion on this? Um, yes. Uh, what is interesting in my personal view is that uh, uh, what we see is a large transformation of the financial technology. Um, it will more or less connect people who require finance uh, with the people who can provide the finance. And the current um, chain of intermediaries, companies in between or companies that are providing services will to a large extent will be automated. So if we're speaking about the <clears throat> a very simple financial product, be it a bond or share or like in our case deal syndication, uh, a product will be issued on the blockchain and then automatically it would be able to target individuals, companies, or organizations that are interested, allowed to uh, invest into this particular product, have expressed the wish to do so, et cetera, et cetera. And in this particular case, I see a huge value in creation of the uh, probably government-backed or independent in some countries blockchain uh, IDs, which would actually allow that seamless transaction and almost uh, uh, kind of chain three in a sense of uh, different uh, companies being in the chain, um, transfer of the financial products to the investors. That I think would be uh, the big wave of what would be happening in the next 10 years, disintermediation, so to say. Mm -hmm. Daniel? Well, I, I think the digitalization is offering so many opportunities. Actually, I'm, I'm sitting in Monaco as, as Jean-Luc today, uh, where we have incorporated a company to um, uh, to support the government with an initiative that they've launched in, in June this year, which is to uh, um, uh, build a regulatory framework that enables a company to come to Monaco, establish in Monaco, and do capital formation through the issuance of tokens. The value proposition for the government in that case is to um, attract company to create value in Monaco by having you know, job creation. And in exchange, they will basically create the path to communicate to those ultra high net worth in, in, in uh, individuals that, that reside in Monaco. And that represents, according to statistics, around 100 millions of euro. And that represents the average 10% of their wealth. So that's basi basically uh, uh, around 1,000 billion of euro of capital that is accessible through those, uh, through those networks. So this is just to highlight that technology is creating opportunities. Uh, so, uh, so we will probably see a different uh, financial ecosystem in a couple of words uh, of, uh, of years, sorry, thanks to technology. Thank you. Stefan? Yeah, look, four mega themes are on top of my, my mind. And look, starting with what I've already said, the value creation that's happening in private markets. If you take the really unprecedented cocktail we are seeing between fiscal, government spending, monetary policy, what else could happen yeah, than further inflation? And further inflation, public equity markets, we are already seeing this, that separate more and more from fundamentals. So I'm convinced, you know, we will see more and more money floating into the private markets world. Uh, and this trend, which is a 10 years trend, which really, you know, kicked off 10 years ago, post-financial crisis. And this is a similar situation post-COVID, will only be accelerated in my view. I talked about it, this private equity goes retail theme. 
You know, when I started 25 years ago, uh, that was a, you know, a sub-theme, I would call it. Today, it's a mega theme in the banking industry. When you talk to BlackRock, Vanguard, Fidelity, Shoulders, whomever, they all think about solutions in alternatives for retail, for their client base, for the banks and the smaller asset managers. Uh, and then, you know, and, and the, the, very interesting, I found what I heard uh, uh, about, you know, from the other colleagues in the panel, it's this theme about democratization of products and services. Yeah, look, the, the financial industry at the end has been late to the game. When you see, you know, what we are doing, it is happening, you know, in different shape and form in other industries for quite a while. Yeah? Take the mobility sector where you have car sharing, bike sharing, the share now the Ubers, et cetera. Take real estate. Yeah, where you have home sharing with Wolfstock, Airbnb, et cetera, entertainment, Spotify. It's happening in other industries. And now it had, has reached the financial industry for the reasons stated, you know, technology and, and, and new uh, business models. And at the end, my end game, so to say, is uh, it's like a total atomization of assets, of private assets. Yeah? I view in some, you know, at some you know, point in time, that all of us have a wallet of private assets, a small token you know, of this real estate company from, from Miami or wherever it was, or the, the, the Maldives, you know, a little bit of private equity, maybe some art, maybe, maybe an old car, you know, everything that only was uh, the privilege for the very, very rich to, to own and to participate in the value creation is now fragmented and atomized. And this is, of course, you know, very much driven by blockchain and, and uh, associated technologies. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I will have to conclude. Unfortunately, it's, it's, we are already uh, uh, 30 minutes. We have a three minute delay. Um, I guess that um, the, the four panelists brought a lot of uh, added value uh, in that field and, and providing uh, you um, a real concrete cases and business cases. And I would like to thank you, to thank all of you for these uh, very insightful feedback and, and, uh, and uh, for, you know, um, uh, have all those transparency uh, to, to, toward our audience. Uh, I will uh, give the microphone to Stefan uh, to, to close this uh, morning session. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Solène. And also, dear panelists, including then uh, Stefan, Alexander, Daniel, and Jet. By the way, Solène is also a quite active LPA member, for example, within the VC club, and she moderated with Alexander and our best-in-class VCs the recent cybersecurity event done with Alban and also Smile Milling Security Made in Luxembourg. So quite active group, and if you're interested by that one, please join us soon. Mm -hmm.